0: In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Now, for those of you following along in your bulletins, you know that the gospel lesson we just read was pretty dynamic. It's as shocking as it is appalling, and although it is eminently preachable, I can't help but be attracted to the first reading that we had from 2 Samuel, this reading that deals with King David coming into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, and with that kind of rich story, I feel like that's really where I wanna go today. So now we just heard that story from 2 Samuel read in Spanish, and I want to make sure that we know what was read, and so to give us a little bit of context. Now David is newly king over Israel, And if we know our history, which if you don't, by the way, we're going to be doing the whole Bible this coming year, and so we'll all learn it even better. Thank you. The Shout out to the God story. So David was just anointed, crowned king of Israel. Saul had not been doing a super job, and God simply was not pleased with what Saul was doing. And so Samuel was sent, the prophet Samuel sent, to anoint a new king, David, and he has now been crowned after Saul's death. And David goes out and claims his authority by finding and recovering the Ark of the Covenant. So what is the Ark of the Covenant? We're gonna have a moment. Many of you have likely seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right, has it been a while? So Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of those excellent movies, we understand somewhat the power of the Ark of God. Now the Ark was something created when Israel received the law. So think way back to Moses at Mount Sinai where God gives the Ten Commandments and Moses comes down with these tablets and they build a home for the tablets of the commandments. And that home is a little wooden box covered in gold that is carried with the Israelites from place to place. They hold the commandment tablets. And for the Israelites, for the Jewish people, it really becomes God's Presence among them. The power of God is in this little box, this ark. And as we know, if we've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, when people are present with the ark, when the ark is opened, you know, spoiler alert for the children who haven't seen this movie, you really should. But at the end of the movie, when the ark is opened, it is, shall we say, overwhelming to be in the presence of the ark, right? (laughs) That is really the truth around the Ark of God. This represented God's presence among the Israelite people. And so David, the new king, wants to make sure everyone understands his authority, wants to bring everyone back together. And so he goes and he finds the Ark that had been stolen by the Philistines. So David has triumphed in military might and brings the Ark into Jerusalem to make claim of Israel's power. And as he brings the ark back into Jerusalem, he throws a big parade. And as the ark is rolling down the road, David, the new king, cannot help but dance. We are there to watch David dance in front of the ark like a crazy person. He danced for joy in a way that was really beyond dignified for a king. And as he's doing this, his wife, Michael, is standing at a window. And as she watches David dance in the street, Scripture says that she despised him in her heart. Now, this story of dancing reminds me of a wedding I did a few years ago. Now, I love weddings. And I remember this wedding in particular because everything was perfect. You know, weddings are either perfect or they're not. And the ones that aren't really are still, you know, quite a good show. But this one happened to be so, so well done. Everything was just organized to the nth degree. And as we were there, standing up front, everyone had processed down. The moment comes in the procession where the children have their turn. You never quite know what the children will do. And the ring bearer came down perfectly, went right to his seat. And then the flower girl comes through the door and she was taken, I can only imagine, with her dress. And so she begins from the back of the church to twirl and (laughs) twirls and twirls and seems not to really know where she's going because she's got a twirly dress. Right? And any of you who've ever had a daughter know what the twirly dress means. Can I help but spin? So she twirls and she twirls and she twirls, and I start laughing, as does everyone else, because she's not necessarily making progress down the aisle. <laughs> she's just twirling and twirling and twirling. And then out of nowhere comes a woman who may have been her mother and snatches her right out of the aisle. As if. She was doing something she should not have been doing. And it's a little moment that I can remember thinking, what's wrong with dancing down the aisle of a church? When we read a story like this, I think we can immediately say that Michael, David's wife, was relatively judgmental here. David's just so filled with joy at the Ark's return that he can't help but look a fool. But I think Michael deserves a little more credit than that. Yes, David could have toned his dancing down a bit, but she is the daughter of the former king. She was Saul's daughter. She represented the establishment. She knew what it was to do things the right way. She had lived a life of dignity, doing what she was expected to do. And here is David, the youngest sheep herder who took her father's throne looking like an idiot in the middle of the whole city. I think it's easy for us to sympathize with Michael, but David is doing nothing but reflecting the joy of being in God's presence. It's clear that David was doing something thoughtless and undignified and obnoxious as he danced down the road, but really who can blame him? I actually think that we know who could blame him, we probably could, right? Episcopalians are quite good at making sure we don't do anything obnoxious or thoughtless or careless, right? We like to do things the way that they are supposed to be done. If I asked you to dance down the aisle of this church and out the door and down the street and all the way back to your house today after services, by a show of hands, how many of you would do that? Okay, I see two. Well done. That seems about right for this crowd. And why would that be the case? Yes we are thoughtful and we are dignified, perhaps too much so all the time. We love to be slow and careful and discern and discuss and go to committees and all of that good stuff. But what if sometimes we just need to dance? What if sometimes we came to church and when we entered those doors, we were so aware of this sacred space, so aware of being in God's presence, that we could not help but dance for joy, cry out for joy, make a joyful noise, be obnoxious and thoughtless and careless, all because we are here in God's presence. My friends, our world constantly tries to bring us down. It seems like everything around us is trying to remind us that we do not have hope, that we lose this faithfulness, and that joy is stripped away. But what if today we are reminded that we are simply present with God? that God is here in this place, and that God loves each one of us, every single one of us. We are in the presence of God today, and every day And the natural response to God's presence, to God's grace, is love and gratitude and joy. I pray that we know the truth of God's love and presence around us every day. May we never forget the wonder of God, and the amazing grace that we have received, each one of us. May we be confident in our call to love others unconditionally, and may we twirl down the aisle of our lives with nothing but the joy of God inside us to never lose hope and to never lose faith that God walks with us every step of the way. And when we know that, I bet we can't help but dance. Amen.